Here's what's coming up on today's show. 401k statements, projections are also factoring in increased contributions, high interest rates, but also working longer than maybe you assume as well. So you have to be very careful with that fine print. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen. Welcome into the Retirement Reality Podcast. I'm Ben George alongside Mike Koyanen. He is the founder and owner of Principal Preservation Services. You can find him online principalpreservationservices.com. Mike, welcome in. What's going on today? Well, almost Christmas time here. Yep. And so uh, we're looking forward to some uh, Christmas time with the family. Uh, we've The snow has already stuck here in <laughs> Minnesota, Wisconsin. So we've had a few snowstorms in, in November that uh, it's here to stay. So um, here we are, and I'm already thinking for spring. So I, I uh, don't want to be a you know, Scrooge with this uh, season, but I, I, I'm not a winter guy anymore. And uh, I, I really look forward to the warmer weather. So, and we've already had some days that have been single digits with the wind chill already, which is too early for that. Uh, you know, when we get to January, February, we're going to have, you know, days that are, you know, five to 10 below without wind chill. Mm-hmm. And by the time you had the wind chill, it gets to be 20 to 40, 50 below. Sometimes it's like, uh we just got to get through that, get through mm-hmm. that season, get to March, and I'm okay in March because I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, well, it's hunker down time in Minneapolis, but I know as the uh, as the calendar kind of winds down, I know people are starting to receive you know more and more financial statements into the year, getting those statements coming in, and I think a lot of times people might just either throw them away, not pay attention, not know what to look for at all. So what right. we want to do today is really kind of help people understand, Mike, what they need to be paying attention to in their financial statements, uh, what everything means, what uh, maybe what's most important, what maybe they can overlook some as well. So that'll be the goal today on the podcast. Uh, again, principalpreservationservices.com. If you have any questions about what we talk about today, it's the best place to start. All right. Let's go through some of these things that you might find on a statement, Mike. How about an income projection? I know we we see these a lot uh, where they might project, especially in a 401k statement, what your income might need to be, but what are you looking at here? Is this is this very valuable at all? Should we be paying much attention to it? Not really. I'm not a fan of these income projections because um, they might be projecting that you're going to be able to take um, a five percent withdrawal per year um, or more. <laughs> and so, you know, they they said hypothetically, which you have, you should be able to draw this much money. And sometimes those income projections are already calculating. Um, social security to that. So they're assuming what your social security would be. And they said income projection, you're going to be able to get $3,500 a month. And people are like, oh, that's a lot of income I can get from my 401k, but it only has a balance of 150000 I'm like, there's no way you're going to be able to draw off 3500 a month and have that money last. It's because you have to read that fine print. And it talks about they're calculating the average social security in there along with withdrawals from your account. So don't take a lot of stock in those income projections. A lot of people do, and they have looked at that, and they, they, they said, oh, this is what, you know, this is a financial company. This is a financial statement, so they're, they're accurate. They don't read the fine print. And so stay away from those income projections. You really need to find out exactly what is the, the appropriate amount of money you can take withdrawals from there to make that money last. 
Yeah, so that's that's one we we see quite a bit, but maybe not that important. What about asset allocation summary? I, I know I like the the looking for those pie charts. There might be a few of them on that statement that you kind of go through, and and I guess it's maybe better to have more colors in your pie chart than than fewer. But uh, what? How do you help someone kind of make sense of this? Because a lot of times you might not even know what what, what you're looking at when you see these pie charts. Yeah, and they you know, we have clients that are in a maybe one of those target funds are very popular in these 401k plans because, you know, and a lot of people are in a target fund, they, go, they don't even know what it means. They go, what does that number mean? Is it 2025 target fund or a 2030 target fund? I go, that's the year you plan on retiring. They go, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I just, I hadn't, they didn't even know what those numbers meant. And so I said, typically as you get closer to that year is when, you know, that's um, they change the investments and less out of stocks, equities, more in the bonds as you get closer to that year, which is kind of a great thing right now because bonds have been suffering. And so uh, the pie chart will just kind of break down how much is in equities, how much is in bonds, how much is in cash, maybe how much is in real estate. Um, but people don't really understand that breakdown anyways. I think it's another thing that's funny on those statements too. You see these heat maps, you know, this, you get cool and you know, cold, cool, warm, hot, hottest, you know, depending on the risk you're at, and they just have a you know a little dial, a uh, little little bar that says this is where you are risk wise, and a lot of times those aren't even accurate. Um, or I've seen people who are in a uh, investment in their 401k, like it says it's a moderate in investment, moderate risk, and then we actually input it into our risk software, and it shows it's more moderate aggressive. And I was like, well, that's there's a you know. Uh, discrepancy here isn't there or we see a 2020 you know five fund like those target dates I just talked about and for one company and you know we see them all you know T. Rowe Price has their own Vanguard has their own Fidelity has their own BlackRock every company you can think of has their own target date funds but one company a 2025 fund might be uh, maybe on a lower moderate risk score and one company might be moderate aggressive so just because you're maybe just a couple ways a year from retirement, you think you'd be more moderate to moderately conservative. Actually, we're finding out those investments in those target date funds are actually a lot more risky than people think. All right. I, I know fees are sometimes listed on there, and that's maybe one thing that's important to at least be aware of. But when you're looking through your account statement, is every fee on there? Is it clear to see what the fees are? No, they're they're not, and especially in these these you know these four hundred one k's. No, just a disclaimer. You know, when you work with fiduciary like ourselves, and when we do fees every quarter, uh, some companies do them every month, but we do it at the end of the quarter. Um, you know, the, you know, so when clients come in, they know what their fee is with us because we disclose it, and then it's listed on their statements, and so we take a fee out at end of every quarter, but. There's a lot of people who have a 401k so I don't pay any fees or I just pay 25 bucks a year. I go, tell you the truth, you're not paying tw just 25 bucks a year. Or my employer's paying all the fees and they might be paying a big chunk of it, but they're not paying all you know, your, your fees as well. Um, so it's good to understand and it's hard to find those, but when you there's a, uh, a statement information you can actually get from your employer about what the true fees are um, for on 401ks. And there's been a lot of books written about them, a lot of information you can get online. I know Anthony Robbins, who's a you know personal development you know guru speaker. Uh, he wrote a book about 401k fees, and he found out you know a lot of the fees on average are over two percent, and he's seen them as high, close to five percent on 401ks. 
they're hidden. And when you work with a broker dealer, they don't have to list their fees. They don't have to disclose all the fees to you. You see your net returns on your 401k statement. So yeah, you see maybe an annual fee or a statement fee, but that's not all the fees. You know, and I am not picking on Fidelity, but they, you know, they do a lot of 401ks. We see probably the most 401ks from Fidelity than any other company. But, you know, if you were down in Covington, Kentucky, <laughs> um, where they have their, you know, big buildings um, and all these employees, you know, they don't build these buildings uh, off of $25 a year. They just don't. Um, they're, they're charging fees. They get, you know, they're charging fees to, to manage this money. And especially when you work with a broker dealer as well, when they actually have uh, companies like Vanguard sells their own Vanguard funds or Fidelity sells, you know, they have their own Fidelity funds, you know, they're double dipping as well. You know, so that's another way that they're making money. So what we're finding in, in a 401k, they're not full disclosure about where their fees are. You can actually go to smartasset.com and smartasset.com says the average 401k fee is about 2.22% through you know all of the, the fees out there most people don't think they pay anything in fees or hardly anything or they say uh the cost of my investments are 0.2 or 0.1 because there's some etfs i go well there's more to fees than that that's just the cost of the investment but they don't they're not managing your money for free so it's it's important to to get involved and, and try to find that out i i have a actually a client that just came on board and she's ahead of the um, human resources for a company and I told her what our fees were and she goes that's it and you know some people complain you know right but she goes that's it I go yeah she goes I know what our fees are and this is a steal compared to what I know the 401k fees are in our plan mm -hmm. so she goes this is a steal but uh, some people you know they think they pay nothing yeah, there's no question. That's important to know, so pay attention to that on your account statement. All right, I know one of the reasons why I typically don't spend a lot of time looking at my statements, Mike, is because there's just so much fine print, and there's just it just seems like a lot of wasted paper. So with those disclosures, with the that fine print, what are some of the things that, that might appear there that, that we're likely to ignore and, and miss? Yeah, typically, usually what I will see in fine print is, Past performance uh, does not, uh, uh, what's that disclosure? We don't have it on our statements, but it's always on a broker-dealer statement. It's kind of like on your, your uh, side mirrors of your car, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Uh, but on the statements, financial statements, it's um, past returns does not, you know, um, uh, what am I thinking of here, Ben? Uh, yeah, it's not indicative of the future returns or whatever? Yeah, future, yeah, it does not lean towards future results. So um, we see that a lot. And so that's the fine print. People are assuming a lot of times they, they run these, you know, these statements as in these hypothetical is, is situations where we had a really good year in the market and they project every year the market, you know, they're going to average six or 8% per year. And that's not very realistic. It's not realistic at all. Um, and they didn't never factor in on some of these illustrations on these statements that there's any losses in the market uh, or they, in the fine print, sometimes they'll put in there that they assume that you're going to increase your contributions each year into your 401k. Um, and so your contributions are expected to keep increasing and maybe max out. Um, or if you made this average return, uh, that you're going to keep getting that same average return. Or if you're going to work till 65 or 66, and some people said, I'm not working that late. So also some of these figures on these um uh, 401k statements projections are also factoring in 
increased contributions, high interest rates, but also working longer than maybe you assume as well. So you have to be very careful with that fine print. All right, those are some of the, the more, uh, I guess, the more important things that are, you're going to find on there. Some of the things that you're maybe most familiar with, but what else that what else could you maybe find on the statement, Mike, that you're going to want to check out? Yeah, especially if you're you're planning on retirement um, and you haven't been at this company maybe you know long enough. A lot of companies have a, you know a vesting percentage, so uh, whether it's three years, five years, seven years. Uh, you know, typically when somebody's there, most places you've been there five years or longer, you're 100% vested, which means the company match that they put in, you get that money when you pull your money out. But if you haven't been there long enough, you don't, you know, so your account statement might say one thing, but your vested balance says another, that means you're not 100% vested. So if you were to leave, you know, today, you wouldn't get all that money out. And so you want, sometimes you got to plan your retirement to make sure you're getting all that free free vested money. And so if you're planning retiring and, you know, after being at this company for four and a half years, but you find out five years later, you're going to get the vested money, which might be another 15 or 20,000. It makes sense to work an extra six months to get that extra money. So pay attention to the vested amount, especially if you haven't been at your job for a long time. Uh, Beginning balances slash ending balances. A lot of people aren't paying attention to what it was at the beginning of the quarter or the end of the quarter shows what your ending balance was, and so you can figure out what your uh, you know rate of return was. And so, you know, a lot of people are, aren't paying attention to that, or they're looking at uh, their um, rate returns are, are better than they really are, and they thought that was a rate of return for the year, but they're really showing the rate of return for that quarter a lot of times. So we have to really kind of look back and see what what is a rate of return for the whole year. Um, not just that quarter, and especially if you're making contributions, your rate of return is going to actually reflect, it should be reflecting a, a better number than if you were an account that didn't make any contributions, especially in a year like this year when the market has been dropping and dropping and dropping. When you're making contributions and you get that dollar cost averaging, your rate returns on your 401k should actually reflect a better rate return and plus that free money from your employer because you're always adding money into the market as opposed to an old account that you're not contributing to, that's probably gonna reflect some worse losses because you're not adding money in a down market. So you have to be very careful with that as well. I think I've already talked about personal rate return is, is trying to find out, figure out uh, you know, year by year what the, uh, true rate return is. And also since, um, since uh, you know, initial uh, contributions, um, a lot of times some of those statements will have them. If not, we gotta figure that out. And uh, a lot of times, the last thing on this one, uh, Ben, is beneficiaries. A lot of times you get those statements and sometimes we'll say uh, no beneficiaries on file or mm-hmm. uh, beneficiary is to the estate of. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if you were to pass away, that means your 401k is going to probate because you don't have any beneficiaries. And a lot of times people had no idea. And you better get that thing straight so it makes things simple um, if you weren't here. Well, when you get those financial statements in the mail here over the next few weeks or any time, just some things to be thinking about and what you should be paying attention to. But if there's anything on there that maybe you're uncertain about, have questions about, please don't uh, hesitate to reach out to Principal Preservation Services. 855-987-8888 is the phone number and principalpreservationservices.com is the website, which is where we got a couple of questions this week, Mike, for you on the podcast. Perfect. Uh, let's start off with one from Frank. He says, 
I'm already retired and had planned on my wife working another three years because she's younger than me, not because I'm a tyrant. (laughs) (laughs) But we just found out that we're about to be grandparents for the first time, so she wants to retire this year to help take care of the baby. How do I convince her that this is a bad idea? Well, Frank, maybe you shouldn't convince her it's a bad day. Maybe (laughs) it's a good idea because – um, maybe her, her attitude would be a lot better if she could be around the grandbaby. But the the key is, I understand that situation. I, and I appreciate the comment that you're not a tyrant. Um, but a lot of times the plan was, you know, the older one to retire. Maybe they're five, eight, ten years older. And I don't know what your age difference is, Frank, but um, because to cover health care and because it is expensive before 65 to retire to have, you know, health care in the open market, not be on Medicare. So I think the key is actually get your plan put together, see just to see what those numbers are. And it might be in your favor, Frank, to have her keep working, but it might not be in your favor. But the key is um, to find out what is the best situation because um, what they say, happy spouse, happy house, happy Mm -hmm. wife, happy life kind of thing. Um, So uh, the key is find out what is the best situation so you're just not winging it. And it might be a good idea, it could be a bad idea, but let's look at the numbers. Very good question, Frank. Thanks for sending that in, and congratulations to you both. Uh, Ted is last here. says, I really want to protect my retirement money. I'm not a big risk taker at all, but also feel like I should be getting a better return than the stable value fund of my 401k that it provides. Should I loosen up and be more aggressive? Well, no. I mean, if you're not a big risk taker, you know, don't take on (laughs) – don't be aggressive with something that – you're not comfortable with. And I see that happen all the time. I, I ask people, I said, would you have more money in the banks if the banks were giving you these, you know, savings rates of, you know, three, four percent and CDs at, you know, six, seven, like they used to like 15 years ago. People were like, yeah, I would. I said, well, that means you're, you're taking on more risks than you're comfortable with. You shouldn't be just because this is the only place to make money. We're not against the market, of course. Uh, we manage a lot of our clients' assets. But when it comes to you want safe returns, stable value fund is you know 0.2 to 0.5. Maybe you might get one sometimes, right? But that's not keeping up with inflation. That's not a good place to have a big chunk of your money. Uh, that's why you know we've been recommending uh, for safe money, uh, you know FIAs, fixed index annuities, ones that are designed for accumulation, not the ones that have these income riders attached to them. Right now, Ben, I mean these are the the best they've ever been. And uh, just as of last week, uh, one of the companies we've been recommending, they actually have a, I think it's a 10.5% cap, which means, and not all of them are capped, but uh, for example, you know, you get the first 10.5% of what the S&P makes. So next year, if the S&P makes eight, you get all eight. If it makes 10, you get all 10. If it makes 12, you only get 10.5. You know, so you're getting a good portion. What if the S&P does 18 or 20? You get 10.5, you're still getting roughly half of it. So that's a pretty good return, but you can't lose when the market is negative. You're going to, you're gonna, we do the historical illustration on that. You'd be averaging over 6% historical uh, numbers, and that's a pretty good average rate of return without taking any risk. But you don't get those in a 401k plan. You don't get those from a broker dealer. So you're, you probably never heard of them or uh, very unfamiliar with them, but that's something we can offer as independent financial advisors. All right, very good. Well, appreciate those two questions, Frank and Ted. We do 
Thank you for sending them in. And if you have one for us, we'd love to hear from you. PrincipalPreservationServices.com. Also, do not forget to check out Mike's YouTube channel, Retirement Reality On Demand. Some great content there as well. If you are looking to continue to learn more about financial and retirement planning, that is a great place to start. Again, Retirement Reality On Demand. All right, Mike, thanks for your time today. I uh, hope you have a good holidays, you and the family, and I want to wish everyone else listening a good holiday season as well. Same to you, Ben. Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Retirement Reality Podcast. From Mike Coyne and I am Ben George. Take care. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.